Open your Bible again with me to James chapter 2. James and chapter 2. I wonder if we've ever uh, read the Word of God like a textbook. I wonder if we ever come to the Word of God and, and, and solely sought maybe to gain knowledge. Maybe to answer questions that come our way. Maybe to have the last word in an argument. Maybe to tell others how they should be living. I wonder have we at times turned to the word of God and read it like that. And, and if we have, and, and we all can fall easily into the trap of doing so. I wonder have we missed the point when we've read the word of God in that way. You see, basically, if we read God's word in a way that is not to grow in knowing the Lord more, which in turn leads us to love and worship him more as we get to know him, for his word to dwell in our hearts and our minds, that we would then be guided in our attitudes and our reactions, that we would become more like Christ, if we don't read the word of God in this way, seeking those things, then I wonder if, if we read it and, and miss the point of it. And sadly for many, God's word is not applied it practically in their lives. They read it and then they go away from it. And sadly, if God's word is not applied practically in our lives, then it becomes irrelevant. And if God's word becomes irrelevant, then that leads us into the things and the way of this world. And those things become more relevant rather than the spiritual things of the Lord. And what we see here in James is that he is led unmistakably to write, and I quote, I like the way somebody put this, a practical emphasis, stressing not theoretical knowledge, but godly behavior. James wrote with a passionate desire for his readers to be uncompromisingly obedient to the word of God. As a Christian, we know what it is to have now the new man, which, is, which was created in us, given to us when we are in Christ Jesus. But we know that as a believer, the new man is constantly still at war with the old man. You only have to read Paul and Romans to, to understand that more and more. And while we're in this life, we still battle. We still give in to the flesh. We still in our reactions and in our thoughts and our attitudes and in the things that we say. And I could go on and on and on. You know what I'm getting at. There are so many times that while we have the new man, yet the old man can come to the fore. But God's word teaches us and encourages us that in and through the Holy Spirit, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. That's why the psalmist wrote, Your word I have hidden in my heart, that I might not sin 
against you. He doesn't say that I won't sin against you, that I might not. And so in our passage this evening here in James, we are being taught in regards to an aspect of life which we can so easily fall into the trap of. And that is preferring one person over another. We can so easily, within the the Christian life, show favoritism. For whatever reason, we can so easily show partiality. And we see James here teaching that and calling, as we see at the beginning of the chapter, my brethren. He's not speaking to the unbelieving, the world. He's, he's calling on my brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ, that there is something that needs to change. And so if we're going to walk in line with the word of God as we ought to, then we see the practical instruction here in just one part of his word. We notice, first of all, the exhortation in this passage. The exhortation. We notice the first exhortation, and that's in verse 1. We see, James, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. It seems here there is no question of their faith in Christ. But he's saying here that because of their faith in Christ, they must not show partiality. Now, we are not a people who have a faith. We're not a people who have a strong faith. I I hear them terms and I don't like it. Maybe I'm wrong not liking it. But we are a people who have our faith, our trust, our hope, anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ and in no one else. And therefore, by doing this and having this, we are transformed by the work that the Lord Jesus accomplished there on the cross and through the work of his Holy Spirit. And because of this transformation, we are therefore to display proof of the work that has taken place within us. And indeed, the second half of chapter 2 here in James deals with that. Just verse 14 is one example. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? And therefore we are not to be those who speak of having faith in Christ and then go and live in a way that is opposite to the profession that we claim. That contradicts what it is to Hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first exhortation. Do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with partiality. We see another exhortation there in verse 8. If you, uh, sorry, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the next exhortation is to fulfill the royal law according to Scripture. And the question is, well, why is it called royal? 
And it's interesting that when you look into the Greek to this word royal, it, it seems to be that whenever they wanted to emphasize something, when they wanted to bring something out that was either noble, uh, grand, or useful, they, they called it royal. It was important. And that is maybe a reason why it's called royal here. But, but another reason may be called royal is because of who decrees it. It's none other than God himself. When James quotes, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, he's quoting from what God himself said in Leviticus 19 and verse 8. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. But it's not only royal in that it's decreed by God himself, but we know that the Lord Jesus in his ministry also quoted this. In Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37, it said, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Someone said that as citizens of the heavenly kingdom, we should delight to implement his wishes. If the royal decree came from Buckingham Palace to you today through in the post or personally, what would you do? Oh, you'd jump to it, wouldn't you? Well, why not here in the royal law that's according to Scripture, that is decreed by God, that the Lord Jesus Christ himself has, has preached? And so we see they're exhorted not only not to show partiality because that doesn't tie in practically with those who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but as well that God himself and the Lord Jesus Christ has commanded it. But we see another exhortation and that is in verse 12. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. And basically and very simply we see that we are to live our lives in the light that one day, as 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10 says, we will appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Romans 14 verse 10. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now let me clarify here. I want to make it clear. That when we sin. We're not cut off. We're not thrown away. We're not discarded or anything like that. The Bible teaches us that we. When we're in Christ Jesus are no longer under condemnation. We will not lose our salvation. The work that has taken place cannot be overturned. We will not be thrown out of the place that has been prepared for us. But what's being exhorted here is that we are to live knowing that one day we will give account for what we have done in this body, whether good or bad. James says, by the law of liberty. 
That is, we are free to willingly obey our Lord. Not free to do as we please. Sadly, people talk about Christian liberty, that they're free to do what they want. That's not it. We are free to willingly obey our Lord. John 8, 36, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be freed indeed. And to show our love to the one who has freed us indeed, surely we ought to uh, and seek to keep his commandments because his commandments are not burdensome. And so we have the exhortation. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with partiality. We see that it's the, the royal law. We see it's decreed by God. We see that we also will be judged in how we have lived as, as a believer. We see, secondly, then, the indictment. The indictment in this passage. And we see the indictment in verses 2 to 4. We see the indictment on the practice that is a being exposed, is being shown. And when you read that, I won't go through it all again, but I think it's very self-explanatory, isn't it? Where we judge someone from what we see on the outside. And we look at them and we weigh up in our mind whether they are somebody that we should bother with. Whether they're somebody who deserves my time, my effort. We judge them maybe on social status. We judge them maybe on race. We judge them on nationality. You know, we could go on and on. And, and, and I have to be honest, and I speak to myself, don't worry, I'm not pointing the finger at anyone else but me. But as Christians, we can sometimes be the hardest judgmental people about. And if somebody doesn't quite see eye to eye with us and something, we, well, we, we just turn away. We just don't give them any time. But we see that in this practice, and it, it may not be that you're looking at someone's clothes, whether they're wearing the best suit or, or the, the knee-cut jeans, which seem to be sell like whole jeans for some reason. I don't know how they get their money's worth out of it. But, you know, it might not be on that level that you're judging someone. But what, whatever level it might be, that you're showing partiality over one person over another. What we're doing is, first of all, we are disrespecting the Lord of glory. When we lift particular people up above others, not only are we disrespecting the Lord of glory, but we also see in verse 6, we are disrespecting the poor man, the one that we've put down. And not only that, we also see in verse 4 that we are making ourselves become judges. And so we can see that in what might seem an insignificant thing to do, to, to give somebody more time over another, to, to judge them and so forth, to show partiality, we see that in the indictment that it's exposing Something far deeper. 
And when we make ourselves become judges, we need to remind ourselves, well, who is judge of all? Abraham declared rightly, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And how many times we seek to put ourselves above the one who is the judge of all. The Lord Jesus gives very clear scriptural principle on judging others in Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 to 3 well known words but we read them again we have to remind ourselves so often that Jesus said judge not that you be not judged for with what judgment you judge you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured back to you Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Time and again, throughout Scripture, right from the Old Testament through to the New, the the call is for the Lord's people to not show partiality, to not judge somebody over another because they're poor or they're needy or they don't meet our standard. Look how the end of chapter 1 in James finishes. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, that we have our theological I's dotted, T's crossed, our group together meeting where we want to be. I, I, I don't want to sound rude when I say that, but, but sadly, that's what we almost hold to. What is pure and undefiled religion? To sing from the same hymn sheet, as it were. But that's not what it says here. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. In Leviticus 19 and verses 14 and 15, God said to the nation of Israel, You shall not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. We see how they gone so far away of that, didn't we, within the Pharisees? In the, the parable the Lord Jesus gave on the Good Samaritan, although it was a parable, it probably was very true, where many religious people walked past the poor, the needy, those that were in, in need of help in lifting up. And surely we see so much of this in the world. We see that the world's attitude is you've got to be the best. You've got to be better. And and they've got a a standard. But surely those standards of the world, those judgments ought not to be practiced by those who hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see the indictment in verses 2 to 4 on the practice that sadly must have been occurring even within this fellowship to which James 
writes. We see within the indictment then also in verses 9 to 11 the pronouncement, the pronouncement on the practice that has been described. Look at the pronouncement in verse 9. But if you show partiality, you commit sin. Listen, it's not a shock to admit that as a believer, we still sin. It might come as a shock to you that as I stand here and preach the word of God, I still sin. But that is why we must be so careful in how we judge another person. That is why we must be so careful in showing partiality. We must never get to the point of thinking, well, I haven't done anything wrong, but they have. And always look for the faults in others. Look for the speck as Jesus eh, described, and yet we've got a plank in our own eye. That's why we can never fully eh, rely on our own judgments or attitudes. The Bible's clear. We say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The Bible's clear. We must come and confess our sin, knowing that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us. James here in verse 4, in not only saying that when we show partiality that we become judges, but he, he says become judges with evil thoughts. If we show partiality, we commit sin. And therefore, we have made ourselves judges. But judges with evil thoughts. Sadly, to show partiality, to treat someone in this way can lead to evil intentions or wrong attitudes. Listen, the Bible gives us the example so often of those who walked with God and yet when they sinned, the knock-on effect, the stumbling, until they came to the point when they repented of their sin and they returned to the Lord. If we do this, if we show partiality, if we judge another, over another person for various reasons, are we really displaying Christ-likeness? Can we say that we are truly walking in the light as he is in the light? If we harbor unconfessed sin, judgmental attitudes, wrong uh, attitudes toward another, he says that to show partiality is to commit sin. Someone said that what was hidden Sorry, what was forbidden was being practiced in the church to whom Jesus, to whom James is addressing. We see then, thirdly, the example. We've seen uh, the exhortation to not show partiality. We've seen the indictment on why we sh on what was taking place and to. to to remind ourselves why we ought not to fall into the trap of showing partiality. But we praise the Lord tonight that we have also in this passage the example to us. We're not only commanded not to do it, 
but we're also given the example as well. We notice the first example, and that is of God himself, there in verse 5. James says, listen, my beloved brother, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? We could go to Romans chapter 2 and verse 11. And there Paul writes, For there is no partiality with God. It's interesting. Don't have time to go back to it. But it's interesting how chapter 2 of Romans begins in verse 1. It says this, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. And basically Paul in this chapter in Romans chapter 2. Is showing that it is part of God's inherent nature to be impartial. His holiness, his justice, his truthfulness, his mercy. And we could go on and on and on in the attributes of, of God. Of who he is and what he is like. That he will, will not, will, there, there is no partiality with him. Peter, who we know fell into the trap of showing partiality. He said in Acts chapter 10 and verse 34, there in Cornelius' house. He says this, when he came to the realization of what he had done and taken place. In truth, I perceive. That God shows no partiality. Yes, Peter would go on in verse 35 to say, But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. And I can just see the skeptics and, and those who argue with Scripture saying, Ha, ah, there, God's just show, par show partiality. You've said those who do this and that are accepted by him. <laughs> but really, the acceptance, the favor that God shows is not based on a person's appearance. He's not basing that acceptance on a person's status. But, but God is accepting those according to his promise. In Psalm 112 and verse 1, he says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. And, and so in Acts chapter 10 and verse 35, in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. So we see the example of God himself. He has chosen the poor, the weak things in this world. Somebody might walk in here and we think, what good are they? We, we can so easily make that judgment. And yet in, in God's eyes, he raises them up. He uses them. He blesses them. But we see not only the example of God here in this passage, but we also see the example of the Lord Jesus. We're reminded of that. The Lord Jesus, we're told, is the Lord of glory. The Son reveals the Father. Isn't that right? The Lord Jesus 1 Timothy 3 verse 16, God manifested in the flesh. And therefore, if the Lord Jesus is the Lord of glory, if he reveals the Father, then in the Lord Jesus, we see no partiality. 
Philippians in chapter 2, verses 5 to 8, reminds us of all that was involved in the Lord Jesus coming to this earth. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in, a, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Did the Lord Jesus do this for a particular race? For a particular class of people? For a particular uh, standard that the people might meet? No. But he came to this world to save sinners. Who have sinned? All have sinned. Without exception, all are sinners. And yet the Lord Jesus, he showed no partiality. He, 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 he humbled himself. He became obedient even to the point of death. We see that not only in the Lord Jesus in his life, but we also see in his ministry there was no partiality. Remember when he met the Samaritan woman by the well, she said to him, you Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Well, somebody put it very well that when the Lord Jesus met the Samaritan woman, he contravened accepted boundaries of partiality. He came to the deaf. He came to the lepers, the paralyzed, the poor. He also came to the rich. He came to those in high social standing. And you know, it's interesting to note that even the Pharisees had to admit the impartiality of the Lord Jesus. Yes, they were coming to him in craftiness, trying to catch him out, but yet it's recorded, nevertheless, in Luke chapter 20 and verse 21, this is their own words, we know that you say and teach rightly and you do not show personal favoritism but teach the way of God in truth. No, how hypocritical from those who were shown partiality, from those who were judgmental and yet they had to admit that the Lord Jesus, he showed no personal favoritism. And so as we close tonight, as we have thought on these few things from this passage in James, is the Lord pleased with how you and I treat others? Is he pleased with how we treat not only those in the world that we mingle with and work with and live with, is he pleased with how we treat one another within the fellowship within the body. Is he pleased with our attitudes to one another? Is he pleased that we make the, our judgments in righteousness? Are we proclaiming tonight the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light? You know, as we think on these things tonight and search our own hearts, as we examine our own lives and how we have treated others, if tonight we need to confess, Lord, 
I've showed partiality. I've judged this person over another. Well, well, may we confess. May we repent of it. From the instruction that we're given here in this passage. We will not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with partiality. May we confess and repent tonight in order that we would not display the things that we would not see displayed in Christ Jesus himself. We hear so much, oh, he's a good man. He said good things. Listen, we have his perfect example for us. Let us walk in the light as he has walked. Let us follow. Let us endeavor to become more Christ-like. In, in, in all, in all our beings, not just in some, but in all our ways. I want to leave you with two verses tonight as we close. First of all, in Proverbs 28 and verse 21, it says this, to show partiality is not good. Is that hard to understand? So many say, oh, I can't interpret scripture. Oh, I don't know how I can apply that to my life. Here it is. Proverbs 28, 21. To show partiality is not good. And then lastly, 1 Timothy 5 and verse 21. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. This could be looked on as just a, a little thing in our lives. A little fault. It doesn't really mean much. Sure, it's only another person. May God help us tonight to, in this aspect of our relationship with one another, in our relationship with others, that we would show Christ in every way, for his glory, for his honor, that he is pleased. May God help us to seek, his, seek him and seek his help to live in such a way.